Read out of Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of, of the heavenly host appeared the angel, with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is God's word to us. And everybody said? Amen. Go ahead and take your seat. So good to, to be here with you this morning and celebrate Advent. There's my two assistants are leaving me. Bye, boys. Such good little guys. So we began last Sunday, last Advent, and we dug into that story, that, that, that famous story when the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and she has an, he has an announcement for Mary. And we really, we said this, and I can say it like this. The Christmas story is almost like three acts of a play, if you allow me that, that, that description. And last Sunday we talked about Act 1. And we said in Act 1 it's this, love coming down to us. And that was a powerful thing. And love comes to us, and we talked about this last week, in the form of Jesus. And it seems so strange actually in some ways that God sends his love to us in the form of a baby. But picture that, in the form of, of a helpless child, a little baby. And yet this is how God chooses to demonstrate his love for us. So love comes to us in Jesus. Last Sunday we talk up, talked about that. But then we also spoke about this. And I took a good amount of time on this last week. It takes humility to receive God's word. And we looked at that through the, through the lens of Mary. You know, the, angels come to, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and he says, you know, blessed are you. And she says, whoa, 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 whoa. What kind of greeting is this? So I, I, are you talking to me? So there's something, something sort of hit Mary. And I said this, there was a humility in Mary in order to receive Christ. And the reason we require this humility is for this reason. And, and I, I, I hope you understand my point when I say this without me reteaching all of last Sunday. It requires humility to receive the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is offensive. That's what the Bible says. The gospel is offensive. Now, you say, well, why are we talking about that? Why are we talking about the gospel being offensive? Because in the gospel... It shows you and I our need for a Savior. In the gospel, the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the gospel, what God has done for us. And in order to receive that, we have to receive something about ourselves. So the gospel is this, this double-edged sword. It's the, the truth of who we are, but it's the love of God revealed. That's the gospel. So the gospel reminds me continually, I need a savior. I need help. I can't make it on my own. God is too righteous. God is too holy. God is too perfect. I can't get to heaven on my own merit. That's the essence of the gospel. 
But that's offensive, friends, to people who think they can get there on their own. Come on. So if you sit here today and you say, yeah, yeah, but if I, if I was to pose this question, how do you get to heaven? <laughs> Turn right and go straight. Well, there you go. But if, how do you get to heaven? So if we say, we get to heaven because I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be a moral person. I'm going to be a good neighbor. I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to be a good son, a good friend. Those are all good things. Come on. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good neighbor. I want to be a great pastor. But those aren't the reasons I'm going to heaven. So the gospel says this. We're in desperate need for a Savior. So how do you get to heaven? By recognizing you need a Savior. So this is what the gospel is. God sending his perfect son down to us. So the reason we require humility is that gospel is offensive. It shows us our need for a Savior. And we need a Savior. And then when, here's what happens. God begins to reveal that to us. So as God draws us to himself, the Holy Spirit begins to do something that only he can do. He begins to reveal to our own hearts individually our need for a Savior. Say, man, you know, I remember as a little kid thinking, I was just mean to my mom and dad. And something in me thinking, that's not right. I should probably listen to my mom and dad. And I remember clearly as a little kid having that thought. I remember I grew up with 11 brothers and sisters, so you'll, you'll understand this. I remember thinking, I was really mean to my brother. Now, you could probably argue he may have been mean to me first. No, he's not here to defend himself, so I got the stage. But you see, is that justification? No, that reminds me. Those little instances remind me, you know what? This isn't right. I remember as a little kid going to the corner store. And those were the days when you had penny candy. How many people remember penny candy? You take a penny to the store. This is true, children. You take a penny and you get a candy. But for some reason, I decided I didn't want to pay for that penny candy. So I looked around and I remember I was so nervous. I looked around the store. I looked for where the guy was who I knew all the time, talked to him all the time, the corner store. And I took the candy and I put it in my pocket. And I remember I went, to the, I went up to the counter to pay for some other candy. And I had the money to pay for the one in my pocket, which was, doesn't make any sense. And I remember thinking, he knows. He's going to call my mom. He's going he's to lay into me. And I remember I put everything on the counter, and he said to me, is that everything? As I think he knew I took that candy. And I said, yeah. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah. He says, okay. And he let me go. And I remember thinking to myself, I felt awful. So you know what I did? Here's how crazy we are. I went back to the store five minutes later to buy more penny candy and overpaid him. So I just thought, i got to pay for that one. But think about that. That's life. That, my friends, is humanity trying to earn their favor. That was me trying to right a wrong in my life that I, that, uh, that I committed. Friends, here's the reality. As you and I journey life, what do we realize? We have made mistakes. Come on, I don't have to say, put your hand up if you've made a mistake. We've made mistakes. We've journeyed a life. We have regrets. We have circumstances that we wish we never were took part in. But the reality is, friends, this is why Christ came to the earth. Not to just be a baby in a manger. And I turn to the tree because we have manger scenes under the tree. Not here at Poor Church. We don't for no other reason than we don't have one. 
But you know that little major scene. See, if Christ Jesus is still just a baby under a manger, we miss the point of Christmas. That's not the essence of Christmas. The essence of Christmas is something even far greater, far deeper, far more personal than a baby in a manger under a tree. Here's my message today. The essence of Christmas is this, Christ in us. Come on, turn to somebody, say Christ in us. Because this is the powerful. This is act. So this is how we, 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 we come into act two. So in act one, if Jesus came down or if love came down to us, and here's the thing, if Jesus only came to us, now I want you to think about this. If Christ only came to the earth to be a moral standard for the rest of us to live up to, we're all doomed. I couldn't live up to it as a little kid. Come on, how much more so as an adult can I not live up to that? Listen, Jesus didn't come to the earth to be our moral standard. And I'm thankful for good morals. My parents did their best to put good morals into me. But you know what? That's not enough. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come just to be a moral standard. He didn't come to just be an example. Because you and I drastically fall short of that every day. So it's not good news. Think about this. It's not good news to say, come on, live up to Jesus. That's not good news for anyone. Because you know what I hear? Do you know what I think in my head if someone tells me that? <sighs> okay, here we go. And then here's the reality. My failures will ever be before my face. I'll always be reminded of my weakness. No, in Act 2, is that it's not a command to live up to Jesus' standard. No, in Act 2 of this, of this Christmas story is Christ in us. God in us. Friends, that's the power of Christmas. So when we celebrate the Christmas season, that's what we're to be reminded of. Act 2 is all about God making his home in our hearts and lives. It's God doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. God giving each and every one of us who are believers in Christ eternal life. The life of his spirit in us. That's the Christmas season. That's act two. So act two is this. For you and I to receive the gift that Jesus is our Savior. So at Christmas, we should ask this question often. And maybe for some of us today, we can ask this question for the very first time. For, for, for some of us, we'll ask this question for the 100th time. But I think Christmas allows us this amazing opportunity to ask this question again. Who is Jesus to me? So I ask you to ask that question. Who is Jesus to you? Is he still a baby in a manger? Maybe, maybe he's wise. Maybe he's a great example to follow. Maybe you say, but he's prophetic. He's a prophet. He spoke words that came to pass. Maybe he's a healer to you. Maybe he's all those things. And the truth is, he is every one of those things I just said. But let me ask you this question. Is he your savior? Has he come inside you and reignited you and gave you what the Bible calls new life? Because if he hasn't done this, 
then you and I are just trying our best to make it on our own. And listen, I say this often in Port Church because this is the truth. This is how I feel. My heart goes out to religious people. I love religious people. But I also, my heart breaks a little bit for religious people. Because what is religion? It's my effort or it's human effort to try to get to God. Because the reason I want to get to Him is because I think He has something for me. So religion says this, if you'll pray enough, if you'll be nice enough, if you'll think enough good thoughts, if you'll stop being so mean, if you'll pay for that penny candy that you stole, maybe God will see. And now maybe God will give you blessing. Friends, that's religion. And I say this respectfully. Every religion in the world operates under that premise. You do something to earn something from the God that you name or claim. You do something. That's not Christianity, friends. That's not the gospel. The gospel is this, God doing something for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. God doing something for us that we could never do for ourselves. So act two is to receive the gift that Jesus is. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. And have you asked the question, who is Jesus to you? If you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter, or Luke chapter 2. That's my introduction. I only got a few more minutes. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And I love the way this, this section of Luke chapter 2 in, in the Christmas story begins. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I love the fact that, that, that God Almighty decides in His wisdom to let an angel appear to shepherds. Come on, not to kings, not to the prominent politicians, not to the wealthy, not to the rich, not to the moral, not to the religious superiors. No, no, to regular folks like you and I. I love that. Because even in that announcement that he shows up and announces this to shepherds, he's saying something to you and I. He's saying, just as you are, God is calling you. Just where you are right now, God is calling you. God isn't asking you to be famous. God isn't asking you to become more moral. God isn't asking you to become more successful. God isn't asking you to become a better husband or a better father before he encounters you. No, no, no. Right as you are right now. I almost, th I almost see it like this in my head, but I, I see things in a funny way sometimes. I almost see the, the shepherds just having a little coffee break. And all of a sudden they're just sort of chilling there. And the angel shows up. Could you imagine? Just having coffee and God shows up. Friends, that's an encouragement to you and I. In the everyday mundane things of life, God can show up. That's where God shows up. But we sort of, in our mind, like to create these scenarios of how God shows up and when God shows up and where God shows up. Because if I just make this right, if the lighting's just right, if the tree looks just right, if the sound is just perfect, if I'm standing just right, if my projection is just right, then God can show up. No, no, God can show up in, while you're lying in your bed, rumbling yourself to get out of bed in the morning. God can show up while you're get, brushing your teeth at night. God can show up in a moment. That's the hope we have. That's the love we have from him. 
And that's what those, that, that first verse in verse 8 says to us. So there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Look at this. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. <laughs> Again, do you know I love this? It's humanity. See, I love the Bible because the Bible doesn't pull any punches. The Bible doesn't try to make everything look so perfect. You ever notice that about the Bible? The Bible just tells things as they are. The Bible just blatantly describes dysfunction. If you really want to get dig into that, go read First and Second Corinthians. You'll see the dysfunction of the first church. But to, and I love this. So it says they were terrified. Well, could you imagine this angel's interrupting their coffee break? This angel just shows up in the middle and just, boom, makes this big announcement. But the angels also were doing something powerful. They're introducing act two for us. And they say this. What do they say? So what do, they, what do the angels say? In verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I love that because God loves us. So the first thing he deals with is this initial shock and fear. He says, Now don't be afraid. Come on, hold in there. He says, look what the angel says. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And I love this. What is the angel introducing? Act two. What is he saying? He's saying to you, a Messiah, a Savior. That's what the word Messiah means. A Savior has been born to you. But he doesn't say this. Now, now, I want you to catch the, the nuance here in verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Look at this. It says, I, we probably have it there. I bring you good news. Do you know what that says to us? Friends, God treats us as an individual. God knows you. 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 And I think there's something so profound in that. I think there's something so special and precious in that. That the angels appeared to the most common of people, shepherds. And he says, hey, 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 to you, Mr. Shepherd, a Savior's been born. Friends, God is saying that same declaration this morning. Now, I'm not an angel from heaven, but I'm a, I'm a voice of God's word. And God's word is saying to you today that you, God sees you. God has sent his son Jesus to the earth to die for you. Jesus is your savior. So this is the power of this moment. And we see this. And this is personal. And I love this. God makes something so personal. Here's a question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is he? Let him become something more. Let him be more than a baby in a manger. And now I say this. The essence of act two is what the angel said there. He says, to you a savior has been born. Look at that again. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Uh, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Friends, you know what Christmas is? Do you know what Act 2 is? 
God giving us himself. God giving us this gift that is Jesus. It does something in us that only God can do. That's act two, God in us. So when he is now our God and we have received this gift of who Jesus is, Christmas now becomes something more. Christmas becomes alive. So when you and I look at a manger scene, or we look at the star on a tree, or an angel on the tree, it says something different to us. Christmas comes alive in a different way when we realize, whoa, 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 whoa. What was the reason God sent his son to the earth? Why did Jesus, why was Jesus born as a baby? Friends, to give us life. Let's keep reading in verse 10. In verse 10 it says this, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Verse 11, Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, which is the Savior, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Friends, Jesus is God's gift. Uh, Jesus is God's gift to us. That's Christmas. And every time, I want you to think about this at Christmas. Every time you receive a present, every time you give a present to someone that's this Christmas, let it trigger your mind. Let, let, it, let it something tweak in your heart and mind and let yourself be reminded that is God Almighty. That is God's plan, giving us this gift of Jesus. That's the beauty of Christmas. God's gift to us. Go with me to Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. Some classic verses that are Christmas verses, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. It says, um, here we go. There we go. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Now pause there. Look at this. Think about all the children who are born every day. There's lots and lots and lots and lots of children born every day. But look at this. It becomes more personal. He says, but to us a son is given. So that, that, that's God Almighty foretelling the birth of Jesus, saying he's going to be born as a child. But you know what? I'm giving you my son. There's something special and something precious when someone gives you something. You know, it's a blessing. Can I say this? If someone has a baby, that's a blessing. And it's nice to go celebrate with them, encourage them, and thank God you're not going to be waking up with that baby at 3 in the morning. But you know what? When it's your baby, it's something different. Come on, any parent, give me a little wave. When it's your baby, somehow there's the love, there's the patience to wake up at 3 in the morning. So it's a personal thing. So in these two verses, for to us a child is born, but to us a son is given. This is God giving us something. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Think about those verses. I think you went back there. That's okay. But it goes from this impersonal to this personal. Go to John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, for God so loved the world. And these are maybe some of the most classic Bible verses. If you're a football fan, 
You'll often see someone with a placard behind the uh, goalposts, John 3.16. So here, here's these very classic verses. And so Christmas, actually. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. So that's Christmas. God giving Jesus to the earth. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Leave that verse there. And I love where it says, whoever believes in Him. Friends, this message is for all people, all, all over the earth, no matter your race, no matter your religion, no matter your background, no matter your status, no matter your performance, no matter your moral superiority or moral depravity. Christ is for us. So if we believe, whoever believes in Him, he believes in what? Jesus. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17. And I love this verse. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Do you know what religion does, friends? Religion ultimately condemns us. Even our own religion condemns us. So if you say, yeah, this is good, Pastor Randy, I like this, but you know what, I really want to hold on to earning my way to heaven. Do you know what the truth is, friends? That will fail you. Your own religion condemns you. And I think that's why I said earlier, I love religious people. But my heart goes out to them because their religion cannot save them. All religion does is keep you climbing a spiritual ladder. And then, you know, on the, on the 85th step, someone puts some grease and you slide back down to square one. But the real moral ones, the real strong ones, they get back up. That's not the gift that Christ offers. Christ offers that whosoever will believe in him, God will give you eternal life. Look, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come as a baby to condemn us. He didn't come because in order to condemn us, he would have to say, you're not living up to the standard. We know that already. It says, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Friends, that's the power of the gospel, that God did something for us through Jesus. Act two is this. Take Jesus out of the manger and let Him become your Lord and Savior. And when He comes in here, God does something that only God can do. See, listen, the truth is, I can't give you eternal life. Do you know why? It's not mine to give. But the Bible says faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So when we talk about what Christ has done, when we look at the scriptures, here's what happens. Faith rises in your heart. And you say, could God actually love me? Could God actually accept me just as I am? And the answer is yes. Let's go to verse 14 in Luke chapter 2. Verse 13, and we're going to end with this. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Friends, I end with this. Do you have peace with God? Are you at peace with God? Because that's a, that's a deep internal question and, and an inside question that every one of us have to ask. 
do you have peace with God? And the biblical answer is this. The only way to answer this question is to say it this way. Have you received God's gift, which is Jesus Christ, His Son? Jesus is Savior, Messiah, Lord. Do you have peace with God? Have you received His Son? The only way to have peace with God, now listen this, is to have the peace of God. Friends, here's what Christ, here's what God offers us this morning. Here's what Christmas is to remind us of. Not Santa Claus, not all the food you're going to eat, not all the decorations, not all the lights. Do you know what those should be to us? Markers, street signs, pointing us somewhere else. God offers us this, eternal life. Life from Him that only He can give. That's the gift that God offers us. And He says, that gift is my Son. But friends, take Him out of the manger. Let Him do something in you that only He can do. Act act 2 is all about that. God doing something in us. Go back to John 3.16. I'm going to close with that. It says this, For God so loved the world. You know, love is a powerful word. And you know, our, our general theme this Christmas season is love came down. But you know, God knows something about love. And you and I know something about love. God knows this about love. Love will change people. You and I have experienced touches of this in our life. Love will change us. If you've, if you've been married, if you've had a child, if you, if you have a friend that you dearly care for and dearly love, you know that love changes you. Love causes us to respond and act in a different way. And here's what love is. To be loved by God, friends, is this. To be fully known by God. Now let me say this, that could be scary. There's an element of like, does God really know who I am? Does God really know what goes on up here? He does. But this is love. This is love. This is why we all long for love. Because love is this, to be fully known, yet fully accepted just as you are. Friends, that is love. If you really want to love someone, if you really want to be loved, there's only one way, to be fully known and fully accepted. Let me tell you something, and it's not a big, big prophetic thought here. God knows everything. Come on. So he fully knows us just as we are, yet he accepts us. That's profound. A holy, awesome, perfect God accepts me just as I am and says, here's the gift. Here's my son, Randy. Don't try to fix yourself. No, no. Come to me as you are. Look, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. He didn't say, world, clean yourself up. World, fix yourself first. He said, come just as you are. I know you're a mess. 
Friends, that's the gift. This is why I said the gospel can be offensive. Because if you think you don't have to fix yourself up, then this doesn't mean anything to you. Because you say, I'm good. I fixed myself up. I cleaned myself up. I used to be like that. Now I'm a little bit better. Awesome. Good on you. But that's not good enough. Amen? This is God's gift to us. His son. But God knows something. Love changes us. So it's not enough to say, look, I'm accepted by God. The pastor said I'm accepted by God. Yep. And here's what's going to happen. When you receive that love from God, oh, it'll begin to change you. Come on. You begin to think different. You begin to act different. You begin to, your desires will change. Why? Because love changes us. Love gives us strength to do certain things. Love gives us strength to serve one another. Love gives us strength to care for one another. Why do you have love? If you have love for your family, why can you do certain things? Because love empowers you. This is what God knows. God knows if I can get people to receive my love, my love will change them. Friends, that's powerful and that's profound. That's what God offers us this Christmas. Love that changes everything. Your life will never be the same when you encounter God's love. It cannot be. Because now you are given something so profound, so different, it changes the course of your life. That's the love of God. It's not, Christmas is not about Jesus in a manger. And I love a manger scene. I really do. I, I appreciate manger scenes. I'm not beating up on manger scenes. But that's not the essence. The essence is, I have something for you that will be in you and remake you. That's Christmas. So act two ends with us knowing we are loved by God. And he makes his home in us. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes, let's pray. Father, we ask you today to reveal your love to us. For those of us who know your love, Lord, we ask this. May it be fresh. May we be reminded. May we be reignited in that love and by that love. And Lord, maybe there's some of us here this morning who have yet to receive that love. And what I've been talking about this morning, something is tweaked inside of them. Something has been drawn. Holy Spirit, I say this. Do your work. Have your way. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Stand your feet with me if you can.